Hi, welcome back to Humans Aren't Robots. I'm your host, Sam Davies. And welcome to another series of conversations with creative leaders about the modern state of work and the exciting places we can take it. This is a new season and there's been some big changes in our world since you heard from us last. The business that I've been running for 10 years, actually 11 years this week, Digital Noir, which is based here in Adelaide in South Australia. We've been a creative agency, mostly focusing in in web and app, uh, user experience, design and development. We have merged with KWP and KWP is Adelaide's oldest and largest independent advertising agency, creative agency. And we've brought our whole team across in the digital arm and have merged with the existing awesome tech team and are heading up the future of digital here in South Australia and, and, and more broadly across the country. So super exciting stuff for us and even better fodder for these conversations that I've been having over the last, oh my gosh, it's probably five years now. A big part of my role as the chief digital officer at KWP is going to be looking at you know, the future of digital and customer experiences and, and user experience, things that I've been passionate about for the last 15 years, but also bringing that into a much bigger team. So we've gone from around 14 people at DN to now 80 people strong. So very exciting. In this season, we have episodes coming out of South Start. We recorded back in 2022. Um, as always, it was an awesome festival of ideas and inspiration. And we teed up some epic conversations with some of the speakers and attendees. It's great going back and re-listening to these chats. Often it's quite frenetic when we're at South Start. I was there with Caitlin this year and getting set up and recording and we've got back-to-back conversations, but it's, it's really nice to listen back and reignite some of the thoughts and ideas that you know often get forgotten after you, you go to an event like that. So in this episode, we have Ben Colley. Ben is someone who I've wanted to have on the, have on the podcast for a while. He's currently the uh, COO at TeamGage. Team Gage is a South Australian startup that builds employee engagement by regularly collecting workplace feedback. It's quite customizable. That's a really cool platform. Ben himself has had a pretty varied experience in the startup space. He's really interested in how startups can make fundamental change in society. He's been a really positive contributor to the Australian ecosystem through things like Startmate, um, Airtree Explorer and he also runs something called Good Product Community which is a, a collection or collective of product owners uh, looking at how we can build better product development here in the country which is something I'm I'm very passionate about myself Ben's been involved with Start's Start he has been involved with Start mate but also South Start for the last few years so I was really interested in talking to him about what inspires him about the event um, his work with Team Gauge. But also, I mean, given that he's heavily involved in teams and, and I'm going through this merge, um, how you go about building a diverse team, ensuring people feel safe and able to be themselves at work, even if they come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different you know, value sets or, or sort of, you know, ethics. So that was a great conversation that I was able to have with Ben. Uh, before we jump in, just a quick note, we were recording in an open space uh, there at South Start. And I think at one point, about 100 high school kids came out of their lunch break. Lunch break. So it's a little bit of commotion in the background, but that's all the fun of recording at a, uh, at a live event. So welcome back to Humans Aren't Robots, and let's jump in with Ben Colley. So 
let's start with a little bit about you. If you maybe just want to let us know, like your involvement in South Start and and also you know what you what you're doing with your time at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, I suppose what I'm doing at South Start at the moment is a bit of everything. Um, so I've known Danny and Craig for a few years. I um I think I originally met them when they're just taken over South Start when they were based at the Majorian Distillery, um, and they had yeah got access to kind of this existing conference and so we, we met I don't think I was I'd moved back to Adelaide at that point I was just in town um, so I was living in Melbourne and had been in Melbourne for like eight years moved back to Adelaide about 18 months ago and um, as part of that sort of reconnecting with the ecosystem and the community met um, Danny and Craig again and just said like however can I help I'm available I love what you're doing and the way you're doing it which is important so yeah, last South Start was, they just said, um, can you help sort of wrangle speakers and just be a, a friendly face on the ground? So send them all the text messages they get off the plane and, and just any questions they have. So that concierge kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I've followed that model, I suppose, for this year. So I'm, I'm helping them. That's the official kind of South Start volunteer role. Mm. But then also myself and a, a couple of my other co-conspirators, we run a community here in Adelaide called Good Product which is a community for product managers, product curious. Um, and so we're running a masterclass this afternoon, actually, um, as part of the Growth Academy. So, yeah, that's the actual official kind of speaking role at South Start. Um, and then I'm just going to uh, enjoy myself as well. There's so many good people in Adelaide right now, lots of Twitter friends, lots of broader kind of startup community friends. And so looking forward to going out to like Sepultsfield tomorrow and the supper, supper dinner on Thursday night and then obviously uh, the main event on Friday. Similar to me, I think initially just put my hand up for, for Danny and Craig because I, I like the spirit of what they, they've been yeah. doing and, and how they go about it. But those connections they try and weave in and around the, the event itself really sort of bring the whole thing to life. Totally. And like this is something I always try to do now. It's like you just want to do stuff with people you like. Mm. I find it so bizarre that it feels like many people in a professional capacity, whether that's their actual job or the things around their job, there's all these people they have to do business with that they don't really like for whatever reason, maybe fairly or unfairly. Um, but it's like, yeah, Danny and Craig are just good people. Um, and so it's like you want to help them do what they want to do. Um, and, of course, there's, like, there's benefits for you as the individual. Like, let's... There's no point ignoring that. Like, it's great to be a part of it and connect with people that you may not have. Um, but, yeah, it's just about having fun with good people. And uh, <laughs> that's what they do a good job of orchestrating. I was just joking with Caitlin. We were going to say that the new intro for the podcast is Sam selfishly seeking questions from people smarter than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, of course. It's so good. Like, you think you know something and then you have a talk song and you're like, oh, I know nothing. But, like, that's... I suppose there's, like, two tracks to that. There's the part where you're like oh, shit, I don't know anything about this. And you're like, uh. Or you're like, oh, shit, I don't know anything about this. This is fascinating. Like, let's pull that thread. Um, and then there's the stuff you didn't even know that you didn't know when you have that conversation. Mm. Um, everything's, I think like, everything's like simultaneously simpler than you think. Like, you can have a conversation. Like, okay, I roughly understand brain surgery, how to build a rocket. Like, I can talk to that person very superficially, but everything's also way more complex than you think. And so as you start talking to someone, that comes out. That's kind of everything, right? And the threads just keep pulling and you're sort of like, wow. Yeah, totally. And, you, and then occasionally you get those nice little moments of kind of cross-pollination where it's like, 
your analogy or your understanding of some completely different topic can be applied. Mm. I was literally getting my hair trimmed this morning because it was looking a little bit chaotic. And um, I was talking to the, the barber. I was trying to explain, like, what is a product manager? And it's mm. such this, like, ambiguous title that no one knows. And I was like, the analogy I used was like, well, if you're building a house, you've got an architect. And the architect works with interior designers and interior architects and the builder and interfaces with the client and um, has their own vision of what this thing should do. And that's similar to what I do, but with a software product. And she was just like, oh, yep, I get that. Like, and so I was like, oh, that's nice. When <laughs> something that is, yeah, so far removed, you can use this simple analogy to, to help them grasp it. And then that same principle applies when you talk to smart people about their thing. I was speaking to someone about, who was I speaking to yesterday? Um, just about oh, I, um, a, a client, but he'd come from a sweat. So he'd been in, in yeah. um, like... Uh, community management and social at sweat but we were just talking about um, another another project which was more of sort of a traditional web project but it was good talking to someone that has been in that startup world and sort of understands because because any business can be treated like product from my perspective right if you're building if you're building anything or bringing anything new thing to life then having that sort of product focus is a different way of looking at it as opposed to it being i don't know transactional or commodity that's just needs to be put in place we need a website that will happen by x as opposed to like, this is going to be a process that we're going to have to undertake with a, a lot of different stakeholders and there's going to be different elements that happen throughout it. Totally, totally. And there's like, there's also just something nice about that where you can make it sometimes seem a bit bigger and craft the story around it. Mm. And that's also what people buy into. Yeah, like, and that's what gets them on the journey and whether that's the customer and they're like, yeah, actually this is what I want to do and, and, and they'll part with some money to help make that happen or whether that's like the team members that you need to actually execute the work it's like you're not just building another website you're actually helping this person you know unlock their kind of vision and their business and help them grow and their family and all those pieces that you can start to talk about people uh, buy into that and love it a hundred percent we could have a long conversation about that and i'm i'm going to diverge very quickly <laughs> <Okay>. into, <laughs> but maybe maybe we should have a chat about um the group at some stage but i'll come back to a thread that you, you said before um around you know doing things with people you like and, yeah. and, and aligning yourselves with people that have, you know, maybe a similar vision or a vision that at least that you're bought into. Um, I really don't want to talk about COVID this season in the, in yeah. the podcast at all because we went back and listened to the last season and it's just, I mean, it was interesting. It was one of those bubbles where we thought we were out of it and it was like, ha COVID, you know, post-COVID. Um, but, you know, two years of that now, there has been some things that have sort of come to light from a, from a work experience that, have changed things, especially for the mainstream, like in some of our worlds that they were already coming into um, our world, like work from home and and, and some of these other things. But I'm interested in in your take on the idea of, you know, we've been working from home and we have our home life, we have our work life, and there's a whole idea of sort of, you know, bringing your whole self to work, which is popular. But like, what's your actual take on that? Should there be a divide? Uh, Like, my, my, my first answer... My, no, it's not my first answer. It's like my personal answer mm. is n- no, not for me. Like I am, I find it bizarre, I suppose, that a lot of my friends, so most of my closest mates, um, that are, especially those that are here in Adelaide, like you grew up with, none of them are really in startup world. There's one who's a, a really sort of quite successful entrepreneur, but even he has done it in sort of a different way. But I find it odd that a lot of them 
they put on a suit or a particular set of clothing and they go to work and they kind of adopt this... There's a bit of a mask to how they are and it's not how they are at the pub. Mm. And I just feel like that's like a lot of cognitive energy you have to spend doing that. And surely that that two-part split does something in your mind a little. It's like, I just want to be... I'm kind of the same wherever I am, like whether I'm with my wife and my, my daughter or whether I'm with my mates and and whether I'm at work. It's all kind of the same person and, and there's good and bad to that. I didn't realise I swear so much at work <laughs> and that's been brought up a bit at Team Gage. I think the founders, when I joined Team Gage, Ben and Noel, like they knew that's what they were getting. They were getting the whole me and I think that was part of the what they wanted. Um, so yeah, I find that it's kind of the only way. Why would you not want to just be yourself all the time? And obviously there's minor refinements. You're going to swear perhaps in front of your grandma <laughs> in the same way you would with your mates. But, but then I think for other people, there's a reality that like some people just want to go to work, clock in at nine or their version of nine and do a good job and then clock off and not think about work and focus on their family or their hobbies or their friends. And, and that's also completely fine. And I suppose for those people, maybe they don't want to bring their whole self to work because it's like work is not me and it's not how I define myself and it's not my, um, it's not my personal life mm. and I want to have that separation. So I was like, well, that makes sense as well. So I suppose it's sort of, as I'm talking this through, it's almost like the concept of how we now have this hybrid work. Yes. And that's probably going to be the model for most people. You're not going to be totally in the office and you're not going to be totally remote. And you don't need to have those extremes. It's some blend of the two. So it's like some people will be their whole self at work and some people won't. And then some people will be some version in the middle where it's like I'm still wearing a suit and I'm still speaking professionally, but all of a sudden I'm doing a Zoom call and my kids are sitting on my lap. And that's now just totally acceptable. Two years ago, if you worked for, I don't know, I'm making this up, if you worked for like Westpac, and you were a senior executive there and you were speaking to a large customer, you probably wouldn't have done that. 100%. But now, like, you would. And now you might even do it strategically. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> to really seem like you understand them and their situation. So, yeah, I don't know. That feels like a rambling answer. No, it's a good answer. It's some interesting things, I think, that, that came out of it. I mean, and I suppose in the world in which you live and play, like, you have aligned yourself to, uh, you know, I suppose, work that has allowed you to, you know, be your whole self. Whereas for some people in, in different industries, there is in the, almost in the sort of uh, design of, of, of work itself, there is that distinction, right? Like you literally put on a uniform. You li- you, you're, yeah. li- you're literally sort of um, having to sort of, I don't know, put on a cu- happy customer service face or whatever yeah. it might be. Like, do you think there's something that's changing in, in and of itself of that? And like, is this sort of... You know, the Westpac example is good because that 100% would have been frowned on. Or, you know, like, you know, even I would imagine probably five years ago, you, if you were working from home for whatever reason, as a sort of a, you'd still put on a suit. But I think now probably, you know, like we have meetings with you know, people. And then they just, <laughs> yeah, it, that, that, so it is kind of going, well, hang on, like, we don't necessarily need some of this facade and the things we're doing. Yeah, I suppose that, like, the first word that comes to mind is like casualization. And that probably has some negative connotations. But I suppose that's also maybe like a bit of a mega trend. Mm. Like the clothes we wear around versus what our grandparents or great-grandparents wore. Very different. Now, obviously, there's different styles, but also just the the, the concept of... You see the black and white photo and all the men are wearing top hats. Mm. Um, And But you don't see everyone wearing a suit and tie now. And then it's like... Even recently, I was at my 
parents-in-law having a conversation over dinner, and I can't, it was something around like sex or, and maybe it was like the idea of like how gender has changed, obviously significantly, and and conversations around that. But the point that they actually raised is just like this is not a conversation we would have had with our parents. Yeah. Um, and definitely our parents didn't have it with their parents. And so like, but that's now very standard. And then the conversation my wife and I will have with our daughter, and I suppose maybe the openness of that will probably be even more a bit bizarre for us. Like the thing she's probably going to bring up when she's in her twenties will be like, Oh, this feels like a conversation you have with your friends and not with your mum and dad. And so maybe that, that, yeah, that casualization, I can't think of a better word. It's kind of yeah happening all over. Um, and so it was already maybe slowly happening with work and industries like tech, it was more common. And that's like the pointiest end, mm. um, of the kind of the arrow, but, um, yeah, COVID was the, the unexpected thing that accelerated that for everyone. There's a, a couple of, you've just opened up segues for me. I need to pick one. Um, <laughs> I, I think, so humans aren't robots. Um, I mentioned at the start is, is one of our sort of values as a, as a yeah. team, but it goes down to little things like for us, like when we write contracts for customers or when we write um, job descriptions for like our team, like we don't use words like human resources. Like we don't think, we try not to think of the team as resources. Yeah, they're like people. They're people. Yeah, totally. Right? And same with, same with a legal contract. I have all, like, I hate legal contracts. Um, I understand that they're necessary and, you know, like I, I, I want to make sure that I'm waiving my liability when I'm, you know, signing onto a big contract with a large corporate. But I don't necessarily think it needs to be written in, in pure legalese. Totally. It kills me. I like the amount of time I argue with my wife is definitely sick of hearing this conversation. But I'm just like, like it, I don't think it exists t- to protect you anymore. Like obviously the contract does. Yeah. <laughs> but like that statement, it's just written that way. Because it's written be- that way. Because it's written that way. Someone just made that up at some point in time. Yeah. And the fact that I'm like, what does that say? And the lawyer's like, oh, well, it means this. And then I'm like, just write that. Yeah. Like, and then I, would und- I wouldn't have to ask you the question. And I, come, I suppose I'm a, this comes from my like, cliche thing around, uh, you know, you work in tech and there's that element of a kind of over-optimization of your life and things. Mm. But there's part of me that's just like, don't you think that's really like inefficient? Yeah. That like everything you write, you then send and then probably have to have this translation conversation and then perhaps you have to have it again with the, the, the other side's legal party. Whereas if you just wrote the statement that you've just used to explain it, that would be fine. And then like seven times out of 10, they'd be like, oh, I understand what they're saying. No, we don't agree with it. Yes, we do. Whatever it is, you still have the negotiation. But yeah, why do you add that extra layer? And is that just to make you feel important? But I don't think you're doing it intentionally to feel important, but that's kind of the... It's part yeah. of the structure, right? And so it's that totally. cliche of, a, well, this is how things have always been done. It probably keeps lawyers in, the, in, the, in, in, in exorbitant fees too because they, you need a translator essentially. Yeah. But, then, but then thinking about that as a value, I then, if I was you know, interviewing you as a potential uh, team member to come on, it's like I'm looking for someone that shares, you know, I want people on the team that would share that kind of vision of like, yeah, yeah. We, we, we believe that. Someone comes in and goes, no, I really, really believe that things should be written. And this, you know, that, that, it's just totally. going to be a mismatch of value. So then... How important do you think is kind of an alignment of values coming into a team? And, and is that something you think that businesses should be sort of broadcasting? Yeah, t- totally. Like we, at, um, so at TeamGage, we have a series of values. Um, we'll have things like, are you continuously improving or, and constantly learning? Um, the fact that we're all in this together. 
And we talk about our values every single day. So every morning at 9.15, we have a whole company stand-up. Um, there's about 22 of us now. So it's like, it's sort of lost the... Um, it's slightly inefficient from a traditional stand-up point of view. Sure. But it's, it's an incredibly fun way to start the day, to get everyone together. But one of the things we do is like call out a value that you saw yesterday. Mm. And... Um, and like, don't do it just, yeah, we're all in it together. Like, don't bullshit it. And, and we'll call people out if they do that. And it's fine. Sometimes you're tired. You can't think. Like, that's fine. But actually, what did you see a team member do that exhibited the values? Or what did you do that exhibited the values? And so it's, I was diligent and dependable. I sat down for three hours and reviewed this legalese contract. Um, but we talk about it every day. So like, we live them and we use them all the time. I'd say historically that you had the dot points on your website and mm. that was just to signal something that we're a progressive organisation but it didn't really matter. Um, I like to think that's changing because those values are so important because they're kind of going back to our previous point. They're like the narrative that binds the people together. Um, and so hopefully, yeah, if, if you're aligned on those set of values, it just makes working together easier. You don't always have to agree but a common set of values... Yeah, it makes the things getting done, well, yeah, an easier experience for everyone. It's maybe a little less shocking. That's sort of, and so, yeah, using them in your interview process is so important because mm. you can, hopefully, if there's a mismatch, you're like, this isn't right, and that potential candidate or that potential person is like, yeah, no, nah, I don't agree with that. So <laughs> maybe this isn't a place I want to work. It's like, good, let's figure that out now. 100%. I think a binding narrative is a really nice way of, 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 um, of framing it. It interests me how many friends I have that have been in jobs that they... Um, we might need to, you might need to go a little bit closer than yeah. that for this next because I think they've got a lot of There's a crowd downstairs. in the background. Yeah. This is the atmosphere at Southstart. Um, <laughs> how many friends I have that are stuck in jobs they don't love um, and feel as if it's just a grind and are kind of looking for something different, don't really know what that is. And, you know, I often counsel, you know, what, what do you care about? Like, what are you actually passionate about, you know in and around your whatever your professional yep. kind of skill set might be and go and find those organizations and just knock on their door my sister's just done it recently and changed um she was working in sydney in a wholesale jewelry organization which she loved and she's passionate about jewelry but had sort of reached the you know as high as she could go and as i was getting a bit stale in in the role yeah but just went out she's really um, passionate about um about fitness but also about sort of promoting sort of um, body equality and, and, and is really loud about it on social and has you know a bit of a platform that she's built mm -hmm. just for herself but went out and just started having conversations with business owners and people were just like throwing roles at her hey we don't have a role but we'll make one for you yeah, yeah. because you know because of the because of the alignment of, of values and, and passion yeah i do a um a bit of mentoring with startmate the organization and, and love the team and what they do and what they kind of care about but one of the particular programs they run is called the Fellowship or the Women's Fellowship. And it's specifically aimed at getting women who are typically in corporate environments, think an investment banker or accountant or a consultant, and sort of bring them across into startup land. And so they do this intensive program where they sort of teach them lingo and, and help them think about what roles they might be interested in and match them up with potential organizations. And it's like also a networking component to it. But the fundamental thing, at least in the couple of years I've been a part of it, talking to the, the women, is you've come from this incredibly linear track where it's like very clear what you have to do. You finish school, you go get your law degree at Adelaide Uni or you know, UNSW, and you do that for three to four years. Maybe you tack on a double, do commerce, and then you join a law firm as a 
Clark or whatever and move through this linear path. And they know what the job title is. And so then if you're like general, if you're a, a, a senior lawyer in some law firm, it's like now join a startup. And they're like, they're not hiring for a senior lawyer. It's like, oh, don't worry about that. And they're like, well, like what job do I go for? It's like, no, don't worry about that. Find a company that you really care about mm. or you care about the problem that they care about. You like the way they go about what they do and that's like potentially listed in their values or you talk to people like what's important about this company and like find that and then just go and talk to them. And like they might not have a job today. They might have a job today. Um, but it's like start there as opposed to looking for the job title. Because um, also, yeah, you're not going to find a job title. No one's hiring probably a senior lawyer when they're a SaaS company or they're doing the future of food or they're making sex toys or, you know, yeah. um, like the guys at Eucalyptus and Normal. So it's like, but yeah, go and find the companies that are solving a problem or working in a space that you care about. That's, that's where you want to start. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that by organizations actually living those, you know, that, uh, that shared narrative, that binded narrative, as opposed to it just being a, you know, something up on the wall, um, that, that's the difference too, though, because it actually starts driving the narrative internally and culture internally. But then you sort of externally, you can start pulling, start pulling people in that, that um, are going to want to come on that right with you. I got, a, I got a question for you. Mm. Have you ever had, this is just a conversation I had the other day, where potentially you'll have team members at some point or a certain individual who then try and weaponize the values Mm. And so if they disagree with something that's being done, they go, well, that's not aligned with our value of, you know, listening to everyone. Whereas yeah. like eventually, you know, in a company, someone needs to make a choice. Yeah. And often there's a reality. You can have a really decentralized team and really flat structure, but like often it's like the founder or the pointiest person in the hierarchy. There's still traditionally a hierarchy of some sort. They make a call and ideally they explain why, but, everyone might not agree with it. And so you can have a, someone go, well, you haven't acknowledged my opinion and our value is acknowledge everyone's opinion. Have you had that before? Definitely. Um, we, we did. I had a set of values that we'd had in the business for probably four or five years that, that I, I sort of came up with. We re-engineered them with the, the, the whole team at the time. So went through sort of a workshopping process and, and came up with them. Um, so the team at the time sort of had quite a lot of buy-in. It was interesting because we, we set it on words and ours are, you know, kind of, a little bit ambiguous, like humans aren't robots could be, um, could be sort of understood in a, a different way. And it, it may, might mean something different to Caitlin or me, but we sort of, we, we broadly had looked at some, some themes around that, right? Yep. Um, like empathy, for example, right? Um, one of ours is find the fun. And we use, we're quite careful in using find the fun as opposed to have fun. Because we wanted to, you, this idea of like, work for us should be a, a positive thing like we're generally doing things that we're building products for people that we have shared values with and we're trying to build a place where you i want well i would feel like i'd want to come into yeah um but sometimes you got to find the fun in the banal right you still got to do the work <laughs> and get it done but I've, I've had that one weaponized against me a few times in terms of like this isn't fun it's like well okay <laughs> you maybe need to find the fun in there yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um it's interesting though then what is difficult, and this, this flows into um, another question, is then if new people come into the organization that haven't necessarily had the buy-in into um, what that is, and, and maybe there's been a couple for us um, of quick hires, and it actually frames one of these questions around diversity. Because if we're thinking about a shared 
mission, right? A shared why as an organization. And then we're hiring based off values. Um, I would say broadly, we still want to be promoting diversity you know, of, of all sorts, right? Across yeah. a broad spectrum of thought, gender, culture, religion, whatever it is, yeah. but broadly. But then how do we do that when we maybe have a tight set of values that might, you know, that might conform to a certain, I don't know, subset of people? Yeah, that's... Yeah, I don't even know how to <laughs> unpack that because, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. I try to be as inclusive as I can and, and try to treat people like just people, but then there's just a reality that I am a, like, middle to upper middle class white guy from Adelaide. <laughs> and so it's sort of like, yeah, how much... Like, the, the token effort... Well, it's not a token effort, but like it could be perceived as that way. And so, and do I truly understand it? Probably not. Am I trying to? Yes. Um, but yeah, so how, how, if you've formed a set of values in the beginning of the company or at the early stage team, and there's a reality that when you started the company, you probably started it with people like you, mm. might've been your closest mates or, or uh, two people just really care about a particular problem. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never really thought about that because then it's like you've got a set of values that matter to you, but are they actually a diverse set of values? Mm. And then you have the thing of like, well, we get to a certain size. Don't know what size that is, but a company. Should you re? Should you stay true to your values because that is who you are and what you care about, especially if you're the founder or, or the founding team? Or should you like rebuild them at a certain point in time and and refine them and maybe you keep some of the originals but you've got a bigger and broader team and more opinions. Yeah, I, I have no idea <laughs> what you do. It's interesting. So so I'll, I'll tell you a story that sort of frames this question I'm interested in because and I, and I think I, maybe I can see where we went wrong. So um, we had a, a woman come and work for us that had just come um, from Lebanon, mm-hmm. um, software developer. Um, you know, really smart, um, very good resume, like, and, and came in um, working on a, a product that we were building. Um, and she really quickly, and, and this is this is the fault I can say that during onboarding, I don't think I probably did enough talk about about value alignment because we needed to develop it quickly, right? So we sort of got her in, but quite quickly she felt out of place um, and had lots of conversations with me about feeling this feeling of not being included in the team. Um, which I obviously took really seriously and sort of tried to unpack because um, you know, shared journey, shared success is another one of our of our values. And generally the team is a pretty inclusive bunch. So I sort of started delving into it, like what's happening here? Um, and uncovered, I think, quite a lot of um, unconscious bias in a, in a few people who were looking at the way she works and sort of her um, approach to software development um, but then not taking into consideration, you know, other cultural elements of, of her personality too. So there was this hard mix between someone, and, and, and to be fair, like she was, she was quite a difficult personality in the workplace. Yeah. But then also had this, um, you know, is is culturally new to, to Australia, um, and a different religion, just a whole different sort of way of life. And a woman, so coming into a, a mostly male-dominated, so, and, and it's this weird one where it's like how do I manage this like how do I actually go about dealing with this uh, you know internally and having the conversation with her and the rest of the team and and finding a finding a middle ground somewhere what happened <laughs> and, and, and same as you you know being a sort of a upper middle class white guy in Adelaide um I so I really sat and listened to what she had to say um intently and then went and had conversations with my team because I think I think the you know the conversation was 
in this instance, we can't just be taking, we can't just be saying, oh, well, this person doesn't code the way I like, so it's my way out the highway, because actually there's other things that are being read into that um, for this person in, in general. Um, she left in the end. She didn't, yeah. she wasn't happy. It wasn't, it wasn't right for her. She, she didn't feel like it was the right workplace. And it was, it was tricky. Like I, I felt like we didn't do enough to, to help her through the process. But on the, on the flip side, be careful here with, it's, <laughs> with names. I mean, she was difficult too. She, yeah. was, she was difficult. Yeah. And like she probably, in hindsight, probably wasn't, if you could, if you, if you, and, then, and maybe we can't do this, but if you could take away all of the, um, all of the potential biases that exist in different cultural elements and just take it purely down to how are you on the job. Um, she was a difficult personality. Yeah, but still then, may not have fit yeah, right? in your culture of the company but and then, the team you have. But I was speaking with Caitlin about this the other day. That then, but then, you know, how much of that in terms of, you know, just ingrained cultural bias and, and gender bias and uh, that have happened over, you know, history that are built into that too. As well. so, so, you know, as a female software developer coming to a new country, like maybe she felt as if she had to be more boisterous to sort of so it's it's tricky yeah it's so <laughs> complex to navigate not team gauge the the previous team i i joined a few years ago was um split between the us and, and melbourne and in melbourne was our software engineering team and product team and the vast majority of the team was um not hadn't been born in australia had all migrated at various points and there was such a diverse range of nationalities there was russian belarusian pakistani Scottish, uh, but it was just such a diverse group. And I remember my first couple of weeks there, I felt like such a dick after I did it. I was just like, oh, this is so silly. So, so yeah, just so silly. But I was just like, Friday afternoon, I was like, oh, let's all have beers because I'm trying to assimilate into this group of people. And like, the what better way than share a drink? And I don't mean we're going out and getting plastered, but just sit down, have a beer and tell me about your family. And it's just like, the vast majority of the team was either they don't drink mm. for just health reasons or religious reasons, or it was five thirty, six o'clock on a Friday, and they all had kids. Yeah. And I didn't have a child yet. And so they're like, well, I just want to get home. It's bath time and story time and get ready for bed. And I just remember standing in the room like, let's all have a beer. And, and it was just like, just deaf ears. And they weren't, they weren't offended or embarrassed. It's like, no. But I just felt like such a, yeah, it just felt like such an idiot that I was just like, that's clearly not the only way to bond. But in my head, all week, I'd been like, oh, this is where we're going to really start to to crack my sort of rapport with individuals. Because mm. the conversations you have after you've had a drink can start to, to change the nature of a relationship positively. Um, and yeah, so that was the first time I was like, oh, that, that strategy is not going to work. I have to try a different strategy. But now, like, that's a lesson that hopefully I will remember and... Yeah, for, for every team, I'm a part of every group of people. Like, there's a time and place for that, and there's a certain group of people that want to get on board with that, and that's a way to re- build rapport. But, like, that's also just one small way and one tiny group, and there's so many different ways. And so, yeah, that was just a really hit you in the sort of face moment that reminded me of, uh, yeah, like you said, all the unconscious unconscious biases we have. And, and so, I mean, it's this sort of... What's the opposite of homogeneity? But it's like dehomogenizing, you know, not just our work culture, but society, right? In in general, right? Adelaide, you know, historically is a fairly homogenous culture with fairly, and Australia too. I think Australian work culture has been, you know, historically, yeah, 
work hard, play hard, yep. you know, have a beer after work, get on with it, you know, sh- you know, shut up at work, but then go talk to your mates at the pub. And like, we're sort of breaking these walls down bit by bit. And, and as I think as, as work becomes more diverse, but I think generally as, I don't know, these conversations are opening up between people that, you know, or like even between men around, you know, just borders that used to be in place around, you don't talk about feelings or you don't talk about whatever, like yeah. even, even kids, right? Like, yeah, totally. Um, it's, it's so interesting to me, um, a, a few of our guys at work have had kids recently and they're, you know, I, historically at work, men just didn't talk about their children that much, right? but, you know, David was you know, so passionate about his little daughter Esther, like bringing her in. It's just, a, it's a, that's a nice element to me of bringing home into work a little bit more and seeing that kind of family element blend yeah. in. I, I love it. I, um, so I mentioned before at Team Gauge every morning we have our stand up. Um, there's plenty of days when if I'm working from home or, or I'm looking after my daughter in the morning before coming to the office, she's on stand up with me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I love it. Like, and, and hopefully, like, I genuinely enjoy it. And she's having fun. She's looking at the, the, uh, the screen with all the faces on it and, um, and I think the team <laughs> like it that she's cute and you wave at her and she'll wave back and all that kind of thing but yeah it's just it's a better way to relate to the people you work with as well because they all have that so it comes back to I find it bizarre that that's for vast majority of working experience for most people that's, that didn't happen like you maybe talked about your kids on a break with one or two people, but mm. you certainly wouldn't, or maybe the boss brought them to work or something like that. But yeah, it's a much better way. It's a far more humanizing experience of work and hopefully more representative of like the actual world. Yeah. I think, I think generally people are, are bad at communicating. Like we think we're good at communicating, but maybe, maybe we're not as good as we think we are. How, how, like you talk, you were speaking before around that situation with drinks on a Friday, like, that can become a tricky conversation in the office. Like, how do how how can we promote honest conversations where people can have, you know, polar polarizing points of view, perhaps, but still be able to sit down and, and have a chat and not feel like it's the drinking team versus the non-drinking team. Yeah, I mean, something I personally try to always do is like, like having different opinions is fine. It's actually good. But you can also have a different opinion to someone and not flex, like not change your opinion. And that's just okay. Like you can just leave it at that moment. Mm. I get the feeling for certain, for, I, don't know, I don't know, many people, most people, some people, like that moment where you can have a discussion about someone and vehemently degree, uh, disagree and then just leave it there is maybe not something that people were comfortable with and maybe you're not you're not told that that's okay you're not trained that way at kind of school and like because there is a right answer often or at least in the context of school for the test or or at university or whatever it may be because I know that like I'll have this discussion with my wife we'll be debating something it'll be like something minuscule to do with chores at home or something but I love debating I love the act of just like having a, a like a verbal sparring match and like I love both ways it's great to win to win you know get your point across and the person's like okay yep I concede it's also super fun when you're like I know this point and you deliver it and then someone's just like but what about this and you're like oh shit good point like that is I had not considered that like that and so it's either I'm now wrong and like you win or it's like okay I need a if I've still got this sort of um 
this sort of artillery of like my points. I need to now figure out how I defend against that. Mm. Um, but we'll be having these discussions at home. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, like I still don't want to go to that thing or I still don't think it, that's the right approach, but that's fine. Like let's just finish the conversation now. And my wife will be like, but it's not resolved. And I'm like, well, it is resolved. You have your point and I have my point and that's okay. And like, yeah. And so every now and then she'll just be like, oh, but I'm so worked up. And she's like, I'm so annoyed that you're not worked up because you've just like, well, we're not going to settle this. And that's like, we're not going to, neither of us are going to budge. And that's completely reasonable position to be in. Yeah. And this isn't the type of disagreement that's going to unravel our marriage or our family or anything. Well, arguing about what type of food is better or something, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that moment where it's just like, no one's changing their opinion and we'll just leave it here. Yeah, I find that it's like, all right, that's completely reasonable position to be in. But maybe, yeah, maybe other people don't feel as comfortable in that moment. There's, there's two things there. Um, what was the name of the guy, um, Mike, oh, the UX, senior UX designer from Google that we spoke to at Pause Fest last year? Skateboarder. Mike, sure. Yeah, we'll anyway. go with Mike. <laughs> He's a legend. Mike Mike? If his name is Mike Mike, he that's worked, great. He worked at... Um, he was a staff writer at Thrasher in the 80s in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, um, anyway, he's a super interesting bloke. But one of the things, we, we were talking about um, debate and he gets in his UX teams, um, if people are sort of thinking about, I don't know, a piece of, uh, piece of design and they, they're having these conversations, he'll formally sit them down and get them to debate the other person's opinion. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in that instance, you'd say to your wife, right, well, you, you take my stance and I'll take yours. And it's interesting to see what can get unpacked there and maybe some insights can come out. Like, oh, okay, I didn't really think about it you know, in your shoes like yeah. that before? Totally. There's, um, at Team Gauge, we, one of our sort of unofficial values is like disagree and commit, which mm. is not unique. Like heaps of people hear that, but we really try to talk about that and, and like call it out. Like this is a moment I've listened to everyone's opinion and some of you are going to be happy with the decision. Some of you are not, but like this is a moment for disagree and commit and this is what we're doing. Um, but what we also, the, the, the joking kind of um, umbrella term is, we're either going to have a robust discussion, which is like a euphemism for like, there's a, di you know, there's a disagreement and we're going to talk it out. And then the other one we use is fight to the death. Nice. So it's just like, I, and it can be something really, like it can be a, a serious sort of product engineering discussion. It can be a serious discussion about how to strategize to, you know, get a customer renewal or expansion. Or it can be like our, our, our head of design, Andy, you know, I'll be like, I don't know if that button is rounded enough. And he's like, oh, it's rounded enough. And I'm like, we're going to have to fight to the death. Like, <laughs> and like, we're going to have a robust discussion about it. Who, sig who signals the death? Uh, no, nah, well, it's just, I don't know. There, there's never actually a point of, uh, yeah, I, I probably want to caveat this. There is never any violence. Don't worry, Ben and Noel. I'm not saying that uh, <laughs> Team Gage has a Thunderdome. or. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just the, the term we use for, we're going to have a, a debate here. But yeah, we very quickly reach a... Um, yeah, reach a moment of consensus or we shift our point of view or it's like, I disagree with you, but we're going to disagree and commit and go ahead. This is, this is part of diversity. And, and again, you don't want to have, you can't have creative teams where everyone's agreeing with each other all the time, right? Nothing's yeah, gonna, totally. Nothing's going to change. You know, some of those moments of insight come from the, um, a, a heated conversation even. But then allowing the space or how, you know, how to allow the space to let that happen but it not boil over into... Um, you know, one person feeling like they were wronged or they didn't have, you know, so it's, that's, that's a tricky place to make it safe for people to be able to do that. Yeah. 
And then I think there's a responsibility for you as the senior person or the leader or, or just if you have that, you're comfortable with this kind of type of conversation is when you see that someone hasn't got their way and maybe they're, then they'll disagree and commit superficially in the room, but like they're not comfortable with it, is sort of then taking the time to pull them aside and have a chat to them and go like, am I not understanding your point? Or say to them like, perhaps I'll have this conversation with some of the team members and have at other teams. It's like, we talk it through and then I now learn something about their opinion that I didn't pick up previously. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I didn't get that point of view. And so it's like, there's either two parts to that. There's like, I wasn't listening properly or like there's a reality, like maybe you didn't frame it right. And that might be because mm. you don't have that skill set or you haven't in the past. So let's work on that. Let's like work on how you can frame your, your debate and your point of view better and how you can counter argue, you know, counter someone else's perspective and how maybe you before you go into a room where you know there's going to be this discussion how you should spend some time to prepare for that because maybe you don't think as well on your feet you're the type of person that wants to sit down and kind of analyze something and so you need to be aware of that for yourself and um so yeah have, have i think that's as a, a leader your responsibility is to go and have that conversation with the person and they'll hopefully really appreciate that they'll either get better you'll either be like, that new piece of information is really important and we're going to change what we just decided as a group or, um, yeah, that they will at least appreciate you've taken the time um, to, to check in with them because you can tell that they're not... They're, they've said they'll disagree and commit, but they're still not quite on board. There's some interesting like self-awareness stuff in there and understanding that... Because there's obviously always going to be strong debaters and, and, and loud people that are going to try and hold the room. It was an interesting... I was in a podcast I was listening to they were talking about... Um, understanding how you do do in difficult situations and uh, this woman was saying um, she takes notes everywhere so if she's if she's in a job interview she'll take cards and uh, she was being you know sitting with an HR manager or whatever being recruited it's like have you got you know cheat cards there she's like yeah he's like that's a great idea yeah it's like you know I think that's that's nice you you sort of operating on the on the level that that suits you and not feeling like you have to come into every meeting you know ready to you know be the wittiest person in the room or whatever it might be totally yeah but it's it's be aware of like your strengths and your weaknesses and then it's like i really like the idea of like people say like as opposed to working on your weaknesses like accept them double down on your strengths mm. like that's a way easier more fun way to get better at whatever it is you want to get better at but there's also like acknowledge your weaknesses and figure out like what are my strategies to deal with that i'm not going to necessarily go and do a you know, a Toastmasters course to become a better public speaker if I'm not as good. But it's like, yeah, maybe I'll prepare some notes and have them on cards so I can easily recall them and reference them. That's feel, a great idea. Feel ready. Um, last question for you. Um, a big one. Like, next 12 months for you, either personally or in Team Gauge, like, what's a, what's a challenge that's on your horizon? Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Next 12 months. Yeah. I suppose there's three three kind of streams to that that are running in parallel there's my personal life so my wife we have a daughter she's 19 months old Hadley uh, the next 12 months are going to be crazy there like she's we're starting to see those glimpses of her personality the things that are her mum my wife Sarah the things that are me and then that beautiful little blend of the two of us that create something unique so that's just going to come out more she's going to be she's walking and running but she's not really talking she's babbling so that's just going to be fascinating um, yeah, so it's so just ex exploring and learning the adventure of being a dad. 
Team Gauge, uh, like I said, we're at about 21, 22 people. Um, we're proudly and sort of fiercely bootstrapped. We took a small amount of capital um, about a year ago from Tractor Ventures, Matt Allen and, and the crew there. But it's really about we do have finite resources as a bootstrapped company. The way we fund and, and grow our business is through customer acquisition and, and keeping existing customers happy and expanding our contracts with them. And we've, we really want to go to that next level. Like, how do you get into that, you know, five mil ARR bracket when you start to really explode and mm. really scale fast? Um, and so, yeah, that's the focus. And so it's hiring the right people. It's about reallocating some of the existing resources. It's about unlocking existing team members. Um, so that's, like, and for me, I suppose personally, it's, I wear this sort of, bridged role between I'm COO I, I spend a lot of time with Ben and Noel and and as sort of I'm not a founder but I try to they, they treat me as if I am and, and I have that level of responsibility and access um, so it's yeah what, what we do is a sort of little threesome to get that um, yeah get going to that next level and then I suppose the third stream is on a on a personal professional level that sounds weird but <laughs> It's good product and this community that we're curating here in Adelaide mm. um, with Seb, who's part of the... He's head of product at um, Happy Co. Cool. And Theo, who's a product manager at TikTok Home Loans. The three of us curate this community. It's like, what do we do with this? We've got nearly 100 people in the community. Um, we've been able to bring them together and there's super interesting conversations taking part in the Slack workspace. There's people that are posting roles, um, companies that have hired, or companies that have raised and are looking to hire. I know that there's people that have got their next job from the, the Slack community. And so it's like, yeah, what does the next 12 months look like? I'm really interested in how we can do different meetup events. So talking about doing something at Adelaide Art Gallery or the museum, um, connecting with the, the Samory building and what's going on down there, because I really like that blending of different worlds. We're all in this tech SaaS kind of space, um, but how do you get inspiration from a museum or, or from art? and bring that into the craft of product management. Awesome, mate. It was a pleasure chatting with you. It um, was. I feel like we could go on for a couple of hours, but we might have to do it again over a beer sometime. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, no worries. Pleasure. Cheers, mate. That's awesome. Hey, how's it going? Sam here again. Thank you so much to Ben Colley for taking the time to chat with me you want to find out more about Ben, you can just Google him, Ben Colley, C-O-L-L-E-Y. You can find out more about Team Gauge. If you're in product at all, I highly recommend checking out the Good Product community. They have a, a Slack group and a number of meetups that you can check out. Thank you so much to South Start for having us and the whole South Start family. Always a, a pleasure. And we'll be back here very soon with another, another episode coming live from South Start. Until then, stay human. Cheers.